0: Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash thrive. That's thrivecosmetics. Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, slash thrive for 20% off your first order.
1: Hey, Cheryl Lazar, you're listening to Rebel Radio. F you, Josh. I'm scared to say the F word. <laughs>
0: What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up? What up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf.
2: It's your boy. It's okay.
0: Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place
1: right here. Ah. Rebel Radio is going down. What did
0: you say? Rebel Radio?
1: Oh, wait. Let's do
3: it again. Rebel Radio. Yes, my guest today on Rebel Radio is Shira Lazar, the one and only. You may know her as the host and founder of whatstrending.com. You might have seen her on the red carpet at places like the Oscars, the Grammys. She was a correspondent for Fox News. She was kind of the face of digital media meets traditional media and has really been a pioneer in bringing those things together. She's got some amazing stories from her own journey, getting fired very publicly and having to kind of bounce back and rebuild everything she's working for. Um, Great lessons on leadership and management, how she's learned to build a team and manage a company, all kind of stuff that she's had to figure out along the way due to her success. Uh, She's gonna tell us how she decides kind of how much to be vulnerable when uh, too much self-awareness can be a bad thing, and more, right after our EDM.com track of the week.
2: intoxicated by your touch, I'm faded and I just can't take this any longer, any longer. I'm intoxicated by your touch, I'm faded and I just can't take this any longer, any longer.
3: bdm.com track of the week that was frugal with a track called intoxicated that's on the chinchilla label go to soundcloud.com chinchilla for more of that and now let's hear from shira lazar okay cool yeah thanks for having us this in is your, how we start your, yeah this is how we start <laughs>
2: Thanks for having us
3: in your beautiful home. This is Thanks amazing. Thanks for
1: being here. And I hope a, you don't get distracted by the two boys in my household playing in hard. the background. Boys and, don't and distract And my you. boys, I mean my <laughs> boyfriend and his friends, not my kids.
3: <laughs> Still boys. Wow. All, we're always boys. We, we
1: have a hoverboard in our household, so watch it.
3: Yeah, of course. You have to. Well, I'm excited to have you and talk to you you're sort of, I think of you as kind of a bridge between digital media and sort of more or kind of mainstream media. And um, I gotta say, I, you know, I sort of see you everywhere online and, and by doing my research, I'd say you're a bonafide celebrity because- Aww,
1: look at that, did you hear that part?
3: Well, just wait, it's right. <laughs> because, uh, because researching you, there's, um, there's pictures of your feet on like the celebrity feet website That's like some
1: weird person that I didn't look. I don't know how that happened. I think it's because there was a YouTube video I did years ago and with Andre Black nerd comedy. uh And I guess he has a foot fetish, and so he like asked to massage my feet in a video of his, and then the rest is history. But
3: that's kind of how you know you've made it that there's like good to know. You've reached a certain (laughs) level of fame when there's like a market for your feet.
1: I keep forgetting we're shooting this too.
3: (laughs) That's all right. They'll just
1: I'm like James is really good with Is it weird? You
3: can you can sit however you want. Okay. Um, so anyway, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to learn kind of how, how you've done what you've done and, and where your journey's taken you. Um, but take, kind of take me back to the beginning. How were you always like, did you grow up like crazy about TV and and media? Was that always your thing?
1: Yeah. I loved performing. So I was into acting. I was like a theater kid.
3: What was your first time on stage?
1: very young, I don't know, six. Like I was always doing theater.
3: Yeah.
1: And then but I but then in school I would do these projects where I would interview people, which was very strange. Like I loved news magazines and talk shows. Mm-hmm. And so while I was very into theater and musical theater and acting and I prayed to be an actress, I also there was a side of me that like for some reason loved the interviewing process and I would watch those types of shows with my Mom, I remember growing up.
3: Like what shows do you remember? Like 2020 and day One. Yeah.
1: And then morning shows. Yeah. And competition shows, I guess like American Idol way back. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, then when I started acting, when I was younger, actually a manager discovered me in a play on stage and I started going through the audition process and hated it and rebelled against it. Is that
3: right? How old was this?
1: I was 15, 16. Yeah. And then I wanted to be a director, and that's kind of where I got more into like the producing, taking the control of the project, mm-hmm. you know, controlling your own destiny type of thing. Yeah. And, and then I think broadcasting was like a best of all worlds where I was performing in a way. Okay. then also I felt like I was taken seriously, more seriously than if you're just an actress. Right. Or, or you could produce your own things, like you could create the projects mm-hmm. more so than... In the acting field, even though now, the same age with YouTube and all that, you're basically controlling your own destiny, too. Right. But at the time, it wasn't like that. So broadcasting was a way for me to perform and then also produce mm-hmm. and direct and do all the things I love doing.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's really fitting that you've ended up where you have because, you know, that's been my, um, you know, even as a father, like, my my wife's always like, oh, we should have my son, like, you know, go do some modeling or Whatever, I'm like, I don't you know, that thing of like, you're just out there to be judged and you have no control until someone picks you.
1: But also that just... if that's there are kids that have a natural talent or an sure. affinity towards things and yeah. they'll naturally stumble on that. Like it won't even be an option, even yeah. if you're fearful of that for them. Right. And so I think for me, I always naturally stumbled into the performance aspect, even though I hated it. Mm-hmm. Like even when I did stop doing it, I somehow always fell into acting somehow, even now. I'll end up acting, whether it be in my boyfriend's music video parodies, or mm-hmm. Tim and Eric will be on my show, and then they'll have a show and ask me to be in it. And so even though I've taken myself out of that world, I still stumble into it and I do believe because there is this like natural part of me that loves performing. Yeah. So I don't think I would ditch everything for that, but I do love escaping into a character and being playful and all that. And I find that more so as I get older. I like, and all these other things come into play sure. and being part of someone else's projects and, and being s- funny or stupid right. or acting out or being serious and just not being yourself is nice once in a while. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah.
3: I don't have that. <laughs>
1: but I, then also I, I think I'm either that they're always
3: myself or never. I'm not sure. <laughs> but now
1: also with Musical.ly and all these platforms, you could say Vine, you know, even if I am known in a certain space to do something, I think that, we see success in bringing comedy and playfulness into what you do
2: mm-hmm.
1: if you look at videos that are shared a lot they're typically even if you are known as a broadcaster or a journalist when you go outside the box and do something different and typically that involves performing in some way and so I think now I'm becoming more open to that as I'm becoming more uh, open to, about being myself and not being someone else like I think I used to when I was younger when I was working at CBS News and all these places I felt the need to like put on this front right. like to be taken seriously yeah. and now I realize you know what like I could be an interviewer a broadcaster a quote-unquote journalist whatever that means to stay in age because <laughs> I think the idea of journalism is different than it used to be totally but then I could also do a sketch or a funny bit about what's happening in the world mm-hmm. and now it plays into the other thing
3: yeah yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, the digital media has definitely kind of broken down some of those barriers and, you know, the idea that there's real people behind.
1: Well, I think in the past I, was, I would say, like, oh, I want to do a talk show or maybe, like, a news magazine show or, like, Entertainment Tonight or TRL. And now I think a lot of the projects I'm seeing that people want me to be part of actually blend that with s- some scripted bits. Mm-hmm. And I think in the past it would've been like, no, I'm not an actress. Like I, I don't do that. Right. And now I'm like, oh no! But th- those are the things that are shared uh-huh. and that are fun. So like, w- that hybrid model is interesting to me.
2: Yeah. Anyway.
1: So what,
3: what was the first? <laughs> I
1: don't even know how we got into that.
3: No, that's that's great, and I, and it brings up. I have a couple of questions to follow up on that, but I, but I want to kind of. What was the first break or the first time where you got a sense that I this I had so be, many mini
1: breaks. I yeah. only have one. I do, um, if I look back, uh, my first, I remember, thing that happened that it was a big deal was I, I was a commentator on Fox News, uh-huh. and that happened because I was doing a lot of entertainment news stuff and red carpets and created my own reel and had my own website up at the time saying I was an entertainment news reporter out of LA and I had done a, some court TV stuff but then one of the anchors at Fox News googled entertainment reporter LA and she needed someone to fill in on the weekends. She wanted some new guests. She mm-hmm. was bored about uh, with the people they were bringing in. Yeah. So she found me and I remember getting a call like Fox News for my agents. <laughs> Fox News wants to have you on to talk about Anna Nicole Smith or something like that. I was like, what? How did they find me? And he's like, I have no idea. And so I ended up going live on Fox News. I remember I was so nervous. It was like really nerve wracking uh-huh. because I was in my I don't even know if I was in my mid-20s yet. Yeah. And then there was this idea that, okay, these people obviously think I'm legit for something. <laughs> and I feel like I'm going and faking it right now. Sure. And I'd never been live in that way.
2: Yeah.
1: In uh, looking at a camera, staring into a camera with no one there. Right. And with an IFB in my ear. So it was all new, but I just faked it until I made it. But I remember that was a big deal because then I started being asked to be on live all the time. Yeah. And I, became Did it? part of like Fox News and then like MSNBC and so I started doing the circuit of mm-hmm. commentating somehow. Yeah. And then that was I remember a turning point because that just got me on national TV every day and so everyone thought I was this like really legit reporter host because I was on TV all the time. And like, it also gave me that experience. Like I remember looking back at this videos, so I was like, wow, I sound so official. <laughs> like, and according to this press, blah, blah, blah. and I was like almost performing, I yeah. remember, but that gave me a lot of experience. And then LX TV was a big turning point for me. LX TV at the time was a oh, like I a video version guys. of Daily Candy. Yeah, yeah. And then I was one of their first hosts in LA, and then they got acquired by NBC, and then they had hired me to host the local show on NBC in LA. And mm. I remember that was a huge turning point because I was on LA, NBC, hosting two lifestyle shows yeah. weekly. And it was a big deal. I remember when it premiered, I was like crying, like, oh my God, it felt like, okay, I've reached something. Yeah, That was a turning point. And then, you know, so I've had many, and then another turning point was when the CBS News thing happened. When I got, you know, I started working with CBS News because I, I think I started being um, looked at in a, diff- in a different way, and then that's also when I started doing all the digital interviews mm-hmm. and all the interviews with digital stars. And there was something special that started to happen then that really ended up becoming the more of the path of my career, quote unquote, sure. or my niche.
3: Yeah. And so, does it does it take a minute? Like, you know, you mentioned sort of faking it till you make it. Like, does it take a while to feel like you sort of belong in, in those settings or are I you? Know. Like... I feel like
1: I'm always, I, my own confidence has always been an issue and I feel this, like a part of me knows my worth and mm-hmm. I feel like I've been around right. and I know what I'm doing and then yet I constantly feel like I need to prove something to myself and others. And while I do think that works for me because it, it forces me to keep challenging myself and I'm never satisfied and I feel like every time I reach a plateau I'm like what's next at the same time I would love I would personally love that piece and I think it would almost make me more successful if I sometimes didn't take things so seriously and care too much Sure, (laughs) but I do and that's just who I am so I embrace it
3: yeah and I think I mean a lot of what I hear from people on this show is like everybody has some of that
1: yeah you have to have some self-awareness but then you have to know that line of where it hurts you and it works against you. Yeah. So I think all of us go up to that um, cliff mm-hmm. and we always look down and we, you know, scream to ourselves and all that. We're always, I'm always, I feel like, walking up to that limit. Sure.
2: yeah.
1: Uh, and then I realize like, what am I doing? This could hurt me instead of help me. And then you walk back and realize like the opportunity there. Mm-hmm. So that's, I feel like that I'm constantly figuring that out.
3: Hey, check it out. Rebel Radio is brought to you by Wix.com. Do you need a website? No, let me tell you, you do need a website. And you can do it yourself with Wix.com. No matter what business you're in, if you've got a startup, your music career, your uh, earwax collection, I don't know what you're doing. Whatever it is, you need a website. And Wix is used by more than 84 million people worldwide. It makes it easy to get your website live today. You can spend time on your business Don't spend time building your website. There's hundreds of designer-made templates to choose from. Use the drag-and-drop editor. You drop in your images, your videos, your copy, and next thing you know, you have a beautiful website that you built yourself. It's fast. It's easy. It's free. We did it with rebelradio.net. Check it out, and you can see the amazing work you can do with Wix.com. You're too busy with everything else? Stop worrying about your website. Wix.com. It's easy and free. Go to wix.com, create your own website today. Send it to us, and we will promote it online. All right. So, is there something you go to when it happens? Like, is it just an internal conversation where you're like, put it together?
2: Yeah, or I'm
1: sure a lot of crying and journaling and yeah, <laughs> and venting to my significant other <laughs> and my sometimes my family. Yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of like. Inner work happens yeah. where I'm like, usually, when I'm going through that emotional transition, it's because something's on the other side. It's like I'm, I'm going through the trenches right. of something to get to that other side, yeah. to the light.
3: Yeah, so uh, it's, very, it's almost like an artist.
1: Like, I f- sometimes feel like it's what artists go mm-hmm. through to get to that product they want, right. or musicians, yeah. where they go, torture themselves through the process until they reach the product yep. or the results and then they have this come to Jesus this I guess moment of what?
3: I don't know what's it, that word it, what's that
1: word I'm looking like for like the
3: moment of zen yeah yeah Yeah. and
1: realization self-realization sure but then then once you kind it of happens
3: again, that, right? it happens again it happens again yeah there's a I just finished reading a book The War of Art yeah that's like Cool. All about that.
1: Just I feel like that happens to me a lot, and then I think what happens is as you get older and as you've been through it, you realize this is just your process, right. and you're like, okay, here it goes again. What's up? You put on your gloves, and you're sure. like ready to fight. Yeah. Whereas when you're younger, I think you definitely are more reactionary to it, right. and under uncomfortable with it. I feel like I'm uncomfortable, it, but then there's still awareness that this is what I need to go through to get to the- where I want to be. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you just wish it was easier. But then if it was easier, then, you know, what they say, not as many people would be doing, you know. Right. Or more people would be be doing doing it. it. Sure, yeah. So it's a constant, I feel like, battle. But I try to simplify things. Like, I think as you get older, or as I do, I try to find more flow and ease and clarity and simplicity around the things that I want.
3: So was it a conscious decision sort of to... Focus more on, on digital media on YouTube. <laughs> like, was that
1: was yeah. that because you saw
3: an opportunity I think there, it was both or that
1: I wasn't getting opportunities otherwise, and yeah. then I saw the opportunity to do what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. and so it became a platform. And also, I think I saw people that were making it work, and it was really exciting to me and inspiring. And I, I, I feel like I work off of energy of other people. So if I see like a group of people like doing, not just doing well in a superficial sense, but there's like a fun creative energy happening, I move towards that Yeah. and just, and I've, I've seen that now with everything that I've done, whether it be YouTube or as things are growing on now, this new app musically lively and you know, I'm definitely not 15, <laughs> but yeah, I still feel an excitement. Sure. There's a curiosity around uh, where creativity lies. And then from creativity, you build out the the business around it. It's like creative capitalism.
3: Sure, yeah. Well, I think it's so interesting, you know, on the one hand, like, you know, YouTube and, and you know, these other channels are, are certainly transforming media, right, and entertainment. Um, and at the same time, like, there's so much resistance to that in... In the, on the business side.
1: That's because they want to maintain. I get it because the models before were easy. It's like yeah. if you were at the top, you stayed at the top and it was consistent and stable and that's, it's cushy. Yeah, right. why would you want to break that? Of course. But you, you can't stop what happens. You can't stop audiences from going where they want to go. Yeah. And so you either fight it or embrace it. Yeah. And that goes back to always being curious. And for, oh yeah, so, and then I was gonna also say for me, Uh, It was also a way to be self-sufficient. So when I pitched myself to CBS News at the time, they didn't have any budget. And I just wanted in. I wanted to create this idea that I was this vlogger for news around digital culture. And no one understood what that meant. So I I felt like I needed to be somewhere to... Prove what that meant. Just do it.
2: Yeah. And so
1: when I pitched myself, I said, don't worry. I don't need a shooter. I don't need an editor. Like, no resources from you. Pay me a bit for my time so it's respectful so mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm working for your organization for free. And it, that would be illegal. Of course. Um, and Also not
3: a good idea. Though. Yeah, it just wouldn't be yeah. a good idea. <laughs> no, it's don't <laughs> work for
1: free for big organizations. That's right. Yeah, don't start the bar very low. because sure. You'll end up staying there. But... And I think that was intriguing to them, the fact that I could do it all on my own. And once I proved that out, they increased you know, my rate and the budget, and they gave me some editors to help me. Once mm-hmm. I saw there was something there. Mm-hmm. But I think the fact that with all these tools, you could just do it, you don't need big budgets to at least prove some models is what was interesting to me. And I could do it from anywhere. At the time I was freelancing, so I was traveling, or I was just doing it for my apartment, or I was getting exclusives from... Digital stars or viral stars over Skype
2: mm-hmm.
1: Because I at the time I wasn't necessarily competing with talk
3: shows or morning shows, right? So Has that changed.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean now. Yeah, now when a talk show reaches out to or a morning show Or anyone reaches out to a viral star quote-unquote They got exclusivity for everything. So they're right. like you do not talk to anyone whereas when I started they would have exclusivity for TV. They didn't even think about digital. Right. So I always said, "Oh, don't worry, we're not TV. Yeah. So you could just do it with us." So when people searched that video or that star, I'd be the first video that popped up. Sure. And and now, yeah, it's definitely people understand the idea of being a digital star more. And so they also get like, "Oh, I could be, I can make a lot of money. I could be rich." So this there's this idea right. like in the past there was people are much more humble about it or like surprised. And I feel like people are jaded when it happens. They're like, oh yeah, people are calling me. But I don't want want to be on the Today Show. I want to be at Ellen. You know, when people go on Ellen, they make a lot of money. And I'm like, how, you know? I think the normal everyday person like gets that more than they did in the past. Everyone's smarter about it. Mm -hmm. And so right away in over a 24 hour, uh, over 24 hours, they'll be making like merch. <laughs> like right. have a song. Like you're like, how did this all happen so, so quickly?
2: Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah.
3: You know, you said something like how just being around people in in this, you know, on the digital side that like there's so much enthusiasm. People are just having a great time. They're loving what they're
2: doing. For I a certain think... amount of time and
1: then people get tired. It's yeah. a tiring process because it's a 24-7 lifestyle. Yeah so there's definitely that plateau you hit where you're like oh my god like i think the creators the early adopter first mover creators hit a plateau just as the industry is getting ready to come in typically because then they start seeing it's also the idea that okay i'm making money and this is awesome i've built audience but then now people are just buying into this and then that's where i think the fatigue starts to happen and then you either push through it and you make deals with some bigger companies plus while doing your stuff, you just have to be smart.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And there's that, I think definitely that wall that people hit.
3: Yeah, and I think, I think, you know, obviously one of the differences is just the demand for content, like yeah. how much content you have to turn out as a personality or as a media company or as a brand. And there's always
1: more, like you always right. feel like you're never doing enough. Like even sure. today, you know, I'm like, oh, I should've gone live or should I be going live while I'm doing this in a way. But then I'm like, well, that content's boring, though, for that audience because they want me to be in their face talking to them on the phone. Right. And then you're like, well, but at least I'll be live and then I'll get heart- enough hearts that maybe during that time or maybe people <laughs> will buy me some gifts. So, like, it'll be worth it. Like, every sure. minute you start thinking, like, what can I be doing in this minute? Yeah. Which is also kind of draining. How
3: do you ridiculous. think about... Well, how do you think about... Obviously, there's, there's, you know, there's sort of two things at odds, right? There's making content that's entertaining... Uh. And interesting for your audience and then there's you have to benefit from that yeah. as well right and I know you know I work with brands and they as you do right and they struggle with like they just want to promote get people to buy their shit and then yeah. the flip side is that when you're too much about that it just turns people off and Yeah,
1: so it's a balancing act you have to look at you know content and storytelling as marketing and then on the other side of like okay the ROI long term in terms of sales yeah like I think if you batch all of that into everything just like you, it's hard to focus on what you're, what you want, and what you're doing. So I just think that the idea that one video is going to change the sales of a sure. product is just ridiculous. Yeah. And I think that if you're going to have initiatives for to create great content to build culture, that's one focus. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then you should be having your the, the the initiative around sales. And then they all come together at a certain point. I think that you you have to be building them both in conjunction with each other.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but I think if you approach creativity with the idea of sales right off the bat, it could be a weird thing. And if you and if you do, at least be honest about that objective from the beginning. Because a lot of times brands will approach creators wanting to do something fun and crazy and quote unquote viral, and then like halfway through, they'll be like, oh well, or, or after the fact, when the results come in, they'll say, oh, this didn't result in sales. And you're right. like, well, that was never what you you didn't say anything about sales. Or about it linking to a site and you know, you wanted a great piece of content. So just say what you want from the beginning and then build from uh, around that.
3: So what do brands learn from you? Obviously they they come to you because you're an expert in the space. I think
1: that and then also because we've been in the creator community for so long, we come to and approach it in a very authentic way. Like I'm a creator, we're a creator founded company. Mm -hmm. We're in the trenches ourselves having honest conversations with talent and creators. So I do feel like we're not look, coming into it from the outside, from what we're hearing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And and so it's just a different approach. And because we do have talent on speed dial, when an opportunity comes up last minute, like we're able to execute. And then just like, our, our we just understand how to make it so that everyone's benefiting. Yeah. So I would say that's why, and then because we're also creating ourselves as a publisher, we can take those lessons and learnings and bring it to what we're doing for brands.
3: So where, where'd the idea for What's Trending come about? Why, why'd you just, start, just kind of start your own property?
1: I was at CBS News as a vlogger blogger, and I was uh-huh. there for six months to a year. And I just was like, okay, this is cool, but I, I was like, this isn't really what I fully want to do with this. At that point, I realized, oh, it would be cool to have a show around these topics. And at the time, also, for me, I wasn't necessarily just into entertainment news and gossip or just into politics or just into tech. And I felt like as a broadcaster or a host, I was always pigeonholed and cornered into those things. People would ask what you liked doing or what you liked covering and what's your beat, and you always had to pick one of those. And for me, what's trending was this idea that oh, I could talk about all those things I like talking about. I don't need to be one-sided and, yeah. and, and also the idea that the people that I followed on Twitter that I thought were the most interesting were people that were well-rounded and informed and could talk about everything from a meme and something stupid and funny to something more thoughtful and informative. And I felt like that I wanted to create a show Mm -hmm. that brought all those ideas together. And then also at the time, you know, the social media star was a big thing. So you became a Twitter star at the time. And so how do you take these people that you follow on Twitter and bring them to life in a show? And so it started out as a show idea. And then from there, I realized, okay, well, if we're a weekly show, how are people going to be connecting with the brand beyond that? And so, oh, we should start a a site or have a blog Mm -hmm. that would be updated consistently with the types of stories we would cover on the show, even though the show's not happening. And then yeah. from there, it was like, OK, well, our social streams need to be updated then, too. So it becomes this more of this, like more of this world and ecosystem around what's trending, and yeah. the social water cooler for millennials. And, and at the time, it was also broadcast quality. Like We were waiting to get a brand on board for a year, I remember, mm-hmm. because at the time, CBS News said they would to write some of it, but it wasn't enough money to make it. Something we saw was great. Yeah. And so we waited and we were able to launch something that was super awesome and high quality and really was, our, it, it executed our vision. You know, it, it really represented what we thought it, it should be from the beginning, mm-hmm. which was awesome. And then, uh, we, then we split with CBS News. <laughs> And then we had like a big I mean, public split with them, and then we went off on our own, and that was kind of a crazy. Yeah. That was a turning point in my career too.
3: So was that was that a moment? I mean, you know, we 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 can read about that online, right? Yeah. But, but and for a
1: while on Google search, it was the top result was Cheryl Lazar fired. Right. So imagine when like, someone's googling you.
3: Yeah, of course. And you know, I'm yeah, and you're like, talking to brands and like, <laughs> so, you know
1: beat and fired.
3: Right. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so how do you um how do you bounce back? Like what what like when that happens are you is there any point where you're like questioning the mission of what you're yeah. trying to accomplish?
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Questioning my mission, myself as a person, my yeah. identity of why I put so much hard work if this is you know, there was a definitely existential crisis of if this was my destiny. Sure. If I was supposed to be humiliated in front of the entire industry, my friends, family, and strangers, and thrown under the bus for all this hard work and effort that I put in with good faith. Right. This was like the plan. Why? What was the point of all this hard work right. if this was the result? And like, yeah. what lesson can I learn from it? Which was an obvious lesson of trust and doing. You know, managing. Um, the work properly and being a perfectionist and being okay with being OCD about things and anal.
2: Yeah.
1: uh, Stuff like that with your team or your employees, you know, a lot of time the idea of like, oh, don't worry, it's not a big deal. And I think maybe also as a woman figuring out how to be a boss and a leader, you feel like, oh, I don't want to sound bitchy or, uh, oh, they think I'm just uptight. And then after that, I felt like I had a rationale to be like, no, I've seen what happens when I'm not uptight and, when I don't have specific guidelines around something. And that was an example of someone working with me, uh, us talking about something that we thought had happened in the mm-hmm. newsroom, and instead of her researching it, to, because we had no process in place at that time. We'd never dealt with that. Sure. Although, you know, although there are news, obvious news organizational um, in etiquette around this. Of course. <laughs> don't put something out to the public right. without verifying from a
3: real source. Yeah, and yet, you know, and I don't mean to like belittle that, but it's also like you're not the first.
1: I know. You know I know the problem news is we outlets are using an example. And sure. in the end, I was also at a place, an organization that has no tolerance for that. I mean, sure. They fired uh, a very
3: Yeah, famous, Brian, Rob, uh, Brian. No, that was
1: an NBC. Oh. That was because he lied about... Same thing about being um, in the war. Right,
3: right.
1: <laughs> that was horrible. No, that's like sociopathic. Was. I definitely think you should be fired.
3: Yeah, anyway. but then they keep other, you know. Well, like then he's so on MSNBC is, now, so right. he's just.
1: It's, anyway, at any rate, we didn't have really we didn't have champions sense. internally, and the yeah. whole thing was a shit show. And then ultimately, overnight, we were, I was fired, and then they told us not to talk to press. And then out of nowhere, there someone gave a scoop, right. and and the the press went with it and at the time I remember everyone wanted Scoop and to do exclusive and a profile piece and I guess I should have maybe or I could have taken advantage of it mm. but at the time I was just so overwhelmed and because I never went into it wanting attention in that way like I'm not a person that likes negative attention mm-hmm. or I don't I'm not someone that knows how to manage negative attention yeah. I'm a very positive and you know happy-go-lucky type person and I I thrive off that. And so yeah, maybe that's worked for me and against me.
3: So, talk <laughs> Not about like the
1: devil evil side like, "Oh, I'm going to take advantage of this."
3: <laughs> so, tell me about your leadership style. If you're if I was on the what's trending team, <laughs> I don't know. What would what something I would hear you say a lot?
1: I need coffee.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: okay. Um
1: Oh, I have an idea about something. Okay. But how do we do it? What do you guys think? Yeah. like, I have no idea what you're talking about. That's a
2: good
1: about. one. No, anyway, I think it's changed, and I've definitely...
2: Yeah.
1: I think I've gotten better, but it's hard. You know, dealing with people, managing people is difficult, and I think that in the past I always wanted to be friends with everyone and yeah. because we're, I'm somewhat of a peer, and then realizing, no, that's not your place to be their best friend.
2: Right.
1: You're, you know, a boss, but then I'm also creative, and then I'm also talent, so sometimes... I've always wanted to play good cop and then have someone else on my team play bad cop.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because it's way of, more fun.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. But also because Love of that. being talent, you need to have the people around you making you feel good. And if they have this like underlying hatred of you, it just makes everything really awkward. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I, and I also think I've put in, I put in a lot of work and I work 24-7 and not that I expect that from my team or employees because I know it's my company mm-hmm. and I'm the one who has whether equity and I'm going to be seeing the value from it hopefully and even though I do like want them to as well at a certain point uh, I do think that me myself putting in the effort I put in they see that and I also have done all of their jobs right. so when I tell them to do something if they say it's impossible I go really because I was yeah. doing that when you, were, you know, when you were out that day or when, I, when we're experimenting with different models or formats or things, like even with the Musical.ly stuff, I was playing around with it before everyone else and going live on my own. And yeah. I basically will create a workflow around that after I play around with things and figure it out. Mm-hmm. I'll say, okay, I've done this. All right now this is how we're going to do it within our organization. And because of that, they know I'm, I'm in it. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it too. So yeah. I feel like there's less of a question when I challenge them if anything, then if, if they if they say they can't do it or this is too much work, I go. I don't get how you could say that. That's almost belittling yourself. Right. So if you think you're, you you don't have the abilities, I feel like you do. Right. So either some someone's wrong here. Am I wrong or are you wrong? And so I try yeah. to have just honest conversations. And I even like the other week, the election was coming up, and I, I told everyone, okay, just everyone knows, obviously. November 8th, we're all going to be in the office working together, and there was this big, like, oh, what? I thought, you know, we understand we're all going to be working, but we thought we could work from our own places, and each of us want to go to our own things, and I go, okay, I totally get that, that argument on a personal level. If you personally don't want to be here, okay, that's one thing, but if you're doing this because you think it's the right decision for the company, <laughs> that's another right. thing. Yeah. So what, what is it? Is this yeah. a personal decision that it's good for you personally, or is this the right decision for the company? Sure. And All of them are silent. <laughs> So that's very, I don't know, passive aggressive approach. No, I think but that's. that's good I think that you need at a certain questions. point you need to be practical. because I don't right. want to be that person, be like, swearing and yelling. I'm not a yeller. Yeah. I think I'm. I'm about being practical about it. Mm-hmm. And what would you do if you were me in this scenario? Give me a pitch that if you were in my shoes, what would you be telling your team? Yeah. And if you think, if you in your heart of all heart, you know, deep down, think that. This is the right decision. Totally, let's do it.
3: (laughs) That's great. I mean, and
1: then they all look at me knowing you could see in their faces. It's like the you know, look like children who are guilty, (laughs) not like they're children, they're all we're all similar ages, but
3: but honestly, I mean, that's great. I'm like, come on, guys. that's like real leadership. Oh, I appreciate
1: that. No, it is (laughs) like like figuring it out.
3: Get people to put themselves in your shoes. I think I'm also,
1: I think I'm humble in a way because I'm also very honest that I'm figuring it out. I don't act like I know everything. Even though whenever they ask me like, well this is your company, what do you think? And I go, give me a break. Like, yeah it is, but why do you think I have a team?
2: Right, of course. (laughs) Because I knew I couldn't do it on my
1: own. So should I just expect that you're not gonna help me execute on this? And if so, then I should probably figure out another solution. Sure. So I'm always putting it back on them. If you're gonna put it on me, let me throw it back to you. Right. because I also, by the way, I also say to them, I have clients, I sell people, I that I need to deliver to of course. that you could say are bosses because they give me money so I can pay you guys. Yes, and I would never talk to them like that. I would never say that I can't do something. It's always about solutions, and I go figure out how to find solutions instead of like finding why this can't happen. and Absolutely. I and I don't think resources. I say and. And the answer is not resources, and I say because I work as you, and I go, as all you guys know, I've worked everywhere from huge companies to small companies, everything in between. I've made six-figure salaries to zero, Mm -hmm. so I've I've done it all. Mm -hmm. So I'm telling you this from my own experience, and unless you each have had that experience, like tell me a solution because it's never, because the excuse a lot of people use, oh, well, we need need more money to do this. We need more of this. And I go, really, because I'm talking to other people as I'm figuring out the models, like investors or other companies, and they're telling me that five people is way enough. Well, there could be more people Mm -hmm. to execute on these visions Mm -hmm. and these ideas. So -hmm. you're telling me I can't, makes me feel like you're just not the right person to be part of that. Nice. (laughs) And I'm like (laughs) There
3: you go. If you're enjoying this episode and you want more expertise in social media, you can go back to the Rebel Radio archives. Check out our interview with Roy Choi, the chef of Kogi Truck and many other restaurants now. He's the founder of the Kogi Empire and he's got some additional lessons for us and how he's used social media to build his brand. But right now, let's go back to Cheryl Lazar. Hey, tell me about oh the God, Creators so Project. <laughs> tell me about Partners Project.
1: Well, it's it's been on hiatus for two years. Oh,
3: okay. Well, then don't I want to
1: bring it. it back. No, well, I want to. That's what started it all while we were waiting to do What's Trending. Yeah. We got to know a lot of the creators through this idea that I had had, which was an Inside the actor Studio around YouTube Stars. It was after we did the first ever VidCon, yeah. and I realized that there was a special movement happening, and that there needed to be someone, something to document it. Mm -hmm. So that's how the Partners Project came to be. And then What Trending came up and a lot of those relationships we'd built over the year of interviewing these talent and having these really awesome conversations that weren't sound bites and were really about the craft and how they do what they do. And it was for fans and it was also for the people that were coming into this space to figure out like what were the secrets, the yeah. tricks of the trade, yeah. and it's something that we put on hiatus because it got really busy at what's trending. And I want, I keep on wanting to bring it back. It's like this kind of pet project, pet partners project. Sure. And it's funny because Casper Lee, who's a big YouTuber, came up to me. Uh, he was promoting his movie lead in America, and he was on what's trending. And he goes to me every time he sees me. He's like, "Partners project, I always love partners project. <laughs> we need to bring it back." So That's a good sign. We'll, yeah, it will happen. It's yeah. one of those things that always pops up. It's just a matter of the right things coming together. And a, we need a brand or someone to underwrite it because. Sure. Or I just need to make more money personally so I can just pay <laughs> for these things. It. Yeah, exactly.
3: Do you, you know, I mean, you had such great leadership stories just now. And um,
1: I hope so.
3: Are those like, do you have mentors? Yeah,
1: I have advisors. You? Yeah. I mean, it's funny, even the past six months, some of my advisors who are CEOs of companies, mm-hmm. big, bigger companies that are very successful in this industry have even said that, oh, you've stepped up. Because I think the, the biggest thing is I've always been honest about my weaknesses, yeah, and that works for me and against me, and I think that people that can be evil and negative will take advantage of that, Sure. instead of looking at it as, wow, I appreciate you sharing that, now how right. can I help you get there?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I've always been honest about my weaknesses so that I can have my team help me deliver on the things I know I maybe naturally can't, I don't have an affinity to doing and don't enjoy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Which also I'm okay about. Like, I don't wanna do everything. I think that's pointless. If you're gonna have a company, it's called a company for a reason. Right.
2: Absolutely.
1: I would I would just continue doing what I'm doing on my own otherwise. Sure. So, but I definitely have had um, issues in the past with you know the the numbers of the business, like my you know financials and and that's been something I unfortunately, I had someone else running the company that didn't educate me on those things and because I naturally wasn't really I'm more of a creative I was handling that side of the business I didn't go out of my way to learn
2: mm-hmm.
1: about what was happening and it and it really uh, it worked against me and I've seen the results of that the past year. I had to do a lot of cleaning up and learn a lot, Mm -hmm. which now I feel informed and empowered. But I was definitely one of those that was like, please don't, I don't want to look at a spreadsheet. Please, I don't want to talk about this. Like, you know, cash flow and overhead. Can someone else do that for me? Totally. And it's about getting the right people to manage that, but then also knowing enough so that when the wrong things are happening, you can act on it. And I didn't. That's not easy. I didn't know enough, and I was I was also trustworthy of a lot of people. So I've learned a lot in that yeah. way, and that and my mentors have helped. Like other advisors and mm-hmm. COOs and CEOs of companies have helped a lot to make me realize, like one, how to take power back and how to surround myself with better people. And I also now know the red flags, like when people are coming in to help. Um, what's you know, what's worth having them do versus having them not do or seeing right away people that say they're going to do something and like the reality of them being able to do it. I see through that much more now because I have a greater understanding of that. And I've, yeah, I'm very lucky to now have a few people that are really helping and now and they're mentoring me to say, you know, it's not bad that I don't know these things, but let's help get you there. Mm -hmm. It it could be very difficult if you have people around you that are making you feel bad because it's counterproductive. Sure. And I don't know if that's more of a female thing. Like, I think that men will... I think
3: that's everyone. I, think... I don't know.
1: I, I hate going into the sexist thing. Like, oh, it's a female thing. But I do feel because... I, or maybe it's a personal thing. I, because I'm very lax and hippy-dippy. And whenever it goes, even though I still have a very... I understand what's happening. I'm, right. I'm smart. And I think people take advantage of that because they think I'm... Of course. I, I talk about my insecurities and my vulnerabilities and weaknesses, and they could take yeah. it, They could use it against me, but those aren't the right people to surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. That was my.
3: I love it. Rant. Okay, I have a little. I have a little speed round. Okay. Oh uh, what's something you used to believe and then decided that you were wrong?
1: Santa Claus. No. <laughs> um,
2: hey, my so kid my, listens I used to bit. I'm,
1: ju- I'm a Jew g's for jesus um that's what you realized you were wrong about no what did i used to wait say that again something you used
3: to believe and then decided you'd been wrong maybe oh that
1: i'm okay i guess listening to other people telling me when i can and can't do things and then realizing who to listen to and who to not listen to that's great there you go
3: uh is there a talent that you always wish you had more of
1: I would say, yeah, trusting my instincts. Okay. I I do trust. I have an instinct because I feel it, but then I tend to not, I tend to sometimes ignore it or be open to the other side of it. Mm -hmm. That, and I do believe, you know, confidence and not caring about what other people think. That for me is a talent, even though it's a personality trait. That is, yeah. It's a talent.
3: Yeah, you can cultivate it for sure. Oh,
1: oh. Um, contract reading, redlining, and accounting. That'd <laughs> okay. be awesome. Excel spreadsheet making. Nice. Yes.
3: All right. Um, what's the next big goal that you're, that you'd like to accomplish? To
1: get what's turning into a place where we're considered you know, a big media company and brand and that where I'm not having to necessarily manage the day-to-day and that I could hire out the right people I feel can do the work to scale the business great so that's my big and then for me personally I do still have the wanting to grow myself as an on-air talent and a broadcaster and personality and all that stuff
3: what's another career you would choose if you knew you couldn't fail
1: probably I like to the idea of being yeah I, I, uh, I think, like, an Elon Musk, like, I would go that far of, like, an inventor. Okay. Engineer. That nice. to, like, okay, a singer rock star. Like, I, used to, I would love to be able to, like, sit with a guitar and sing. And like, a piano, like, play any instrument and sing yeah. a song. Okay. And do a crazy cover that goes viral. Yeah. It'd be amazing. I could sing, but not really. <laughs> like, I do. When people hear me sing, they're like, you have a singing voice, but it's not, like, I... I I can hear music. I'm not uh-huh. as, as good as like creating music.
3: Wait, so when you say that, who's the, who's in your mind? Who's my the musician? boyfriend? <laughs> no, 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 no. Who's the? Well, maybe oh. no. Who's the musician in your mind that like I don't
1: know. Just represents like,
3: that perfection to you?
1: And also people that are really good comedically that could like write sketches and all that. Like yeah. I just like look up to like Grace Helbig or Lily Singh, like Superwoman,
2: uh-huh.
1: or. Rhett and Link, those types. i okay. like, wow, you're so smart and witty. Like, I think that's awesome. And then singers, I guess... I don't know. I, I look at... I guess you could say rock stars. Like Like, who? Who, like Beyonce. Beyonce,
2: okay.
1: <laughs> I wish I could be like Beyonce. We all have a little Beyonce in
3: us <laughs> Do we? I have very little. Tonight. Well, that's your problem. <laughs> yeah. <there's laughs> you extremely can. little amount of Beyonce in me.
1: I don't know, Katy Perry. Like when you do that DNA testing
3: and they tell you how much, like, Neanderthal, like, my Beyonce level is.
1: Katy Perry, also. Okay. Like, super cool. Like, she was doing, I think, videos on YouTube and then. Yeah. She was just one of those singer songwriter girls and then just became a pop star. Sure. That's awesome. Okay. A little bit of Russell Brand mixed into that, a little political maneuvering. Sure. Conniving.
3: Who would you be most excited to learn as a fan of yours? Oprah. <laughs> nice.
1: Oprah was like, yeah, oh my God, what's trending? I follow what's yeah. trending all the time. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, your interviewing skills are on point.
2: <laughs> Actually, Joan Rivers told me. Yeah?
1: I interviewed That's her big. for an hour at Internet Week New York, and I was very nervous. And then afterwards, she said to me, you're really good at what you do. And that was really awesome. That's awesome. Yeah.
3: She's a pioneer. Mm-hmm. Do you collect anything?
1: I did, in the past I've collected Starbucks mugs from different cities I went to.
3: Okay. Do you still have them?
2: Yeah,
1: somewhere in storage because I moved a few months ago. That, and I try not to, you know what, the problem is I lose a lot of things. Yeah. And so I try not to be too connected to things because I feel like I always
3: lose things. (laughs) That's very wise. That's very zen.
1: Yeah, even like my phone or laptop, like what sucks is notes that I make, yeah. more creative notes, but then I've, I've just gotten used to not being overly attached to objects or things. So, I guess, or Neil Strauss used to say, you know Neil Strauss, yeah. right? He used to say to me, Oh, I collect people, which sounds really <laughs> weird.
3: To say well, that. he definitely collected people. <laughs> he wrote I books do. About I, connect, that.
1: I connect friends on Facebook, yeah. yeah. I'm a degree separated from, like, literally, what I am proud of sure is if, if I need anything, or I just throw something out to my network and I'll find something somewhere. Yeah. So, Speaking yeah, I guess I collect Strauss. people and experiences. I try to. Nice. Collect neuroses over many generations.
3: <laughs> All right, speaking of Neil Strauss, what's the last great book you read?
1: Oh, God, I'm still reading crap. This is like a Trump question.
2: <laughs> like, like, <laughs> <laughs> Who's your favorite same, foreign leader? He
1: says, no, Donald Trump says, like, the same book every time. Does he?
3: The Art of the Deal?
1: <laughs> no, he says that and then this other one I totally forgot. What are the two books? I have, oh, my God, what are the two books I have next to my bed? Can I get them? I'm blanking on them right now. I did read, a, I read consistently. I'm just like blanking on I the believe last. you. No, wait, can I no look judgment. at the two books that I have next to my, bag, my bed?
3: Sure.
1: There's, a, wait, what's that, Chris? Wait, one second. I have two books. There's one I'm reading about habit and changing your habit.
3: Oh, the power of habit?
1: Yes. The power of the habit. And then Dr. Chris Donahue.
3: I don't know him. He. One young great. doctor who's really now enjoy. the
1: new host of Love Line. Oh yeah. And his book is Sex Outside the Lines. Okay. Those are the two books by my side. Nice. <laughs> my bedside. That's good. Yes, but I still need to finish them. I tend to start books That's and hard. then not finish them. I had
3: that until I switched to audiobooks. <laughs>
1: yeah, I need to do now, that. Now like
3: I can power through them.
1: Yeah. What was the last book I read on my vacation even? I've been really bad with books lately. Yeah. Yeah.
3: What movie do you think you've seen the most?
1: Oh, Home Alone.
3: <laughs> My son loves that. He's, he, he'll, if it was up to him, he's watching it right now.
1: I've seen Heathers a few times.
3: Yeah. That's a great one.
2: What else?
1: What movies, I feel like we watch Home Alone All every holiday.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. See that oh, question. Oh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, good. Yeah. Have you ever gone? Yes. Yeah. Seriously? You're a little too young to, like, have caught the, like...
1: No, I did the whole experience in Montreal, yeah.
3: Oh, cool. And I did
1: a horrible version of that in L.A. where they only started the movie at, like, 2 a.m. and then we fell asleep in the movie theater.
3: Totally. And favorite uh, musician or DJ?
1: Hmm. I like everyone from Frank Ocean to Justice and Air... To Jay-Z and the Beyonce, uh-huh. to I like classical music sometimes. And then, I don't know, when I was younger, yeah, I listened to everyone from like Jewel and mm-hmm. Lilith Fair back in the day to Ben Harper, and then got into more of my electronic phase. Yeah. Now I guess hip-hop.
3: What's it? What's it? Well, what's like, well,
1: hip, I mean, I, yeah, I feel like this is where my boyfriend comes in. He knows hip hop so, so well.
2: Yeah.
1: I could say the obvious ones. Oh, I'm so cliche right now. Like Drake or JC.: <laughs> okay. or Kanye.
3: You're allowed to like whoever you like.
1: Uh, yeah. And then I guess what, what's like a cool bar and a cool up and coming hip hop artist that we listen to? You. <laughs> Bart Baker.
3: Bart Baker It's our favorite musician. Shut
1: up, Barts. Travis Scott.
3: All right, that's a good one. <laughs> Travis
1: Scott. Travis Scott, there you go. Awesome. He's the awesome.
2: guy who autotunes everything more than the Well, I
1: don't know. Why would I like him? You don't. I don't like, like too much autotune. I like him. I like very heavy
3: autotune away. <laughs> Thank you for doing it.
1: <laughs> Is that a great way to end this? Yeah, that's cool.
3: (laughs) We'll end on that note. Um, Where do we find you? What's Trending.com, obviously. Go to
1: What's Trending.com. What's Trending everywhere. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, if you're on Musical.ly or your kids are on Musical.ly. Shira Lazar everywhere. S-H-I-R-A-L-A-Z-A-R. Awesome. Yeah, that's about it. Google Google it.
3: Google Shira Lazar for pictures of her feet. (laughs) And uh, celebrity updates on What's Trending. There you go. That was my lovely interview with Shira Lazar on location at her beautiful home in Los Angeles, sitting out on the balcony listening to the planes fly overhead. Hope you liked it. If you did, hit us on Twitter, hit us on Facebook, hit us on iTunes with a review. Come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace.